If you're tired of dieting and stepping on the scale, you're lacking energy and confidence, and you're ready to harness your inner athlete, then you're in the right place. I'm Sherry Shaban, and in each episode, I'll help you to rebuild your fitness identity and empower your deepest transformation so that health and fitness are not just what you do, but who you are. What's up, athletes? Welcome back to the show. When we begin to change the way we see things, the things around us begin to change. And this all has to do with perspective. When we see things in our life happening to us and not for us, then we always feel stuck. We always feel like the victim of our circumstances. But when we start to notice that things in our life are always happening for us, for a greater purpose, and start to focus on exactly what that purpose is, we can start to make changes. And when it comes to adversity, knowing that life happens for us and understanding that reason and giving events and experiences and circumstances different meanings, we can start to make changes. Changes that impact not only us and our lives, but begin to impact the greater good. On today's episode of Fall in Love with Fitness, we are reviewing some past discussions on overcoming adversity. Listen in, athletes. This one is an important one. How would you feel if your doctor told you that you would never walk again? After sustaining an injury on the job, police sergeant Michael Hurst found himself being asked to step down. His health and function were declining. Doctors told him that his condition would continue to progress over time and that there was no cure. He would end up in a wheelchair and never walk again. Michael agreed to clinical trials of new medications in hopes that they could slow down the deterioration, but the side effects left him more ill and disabled than ever. It wasn't until his daughter was getting married that everything changed for him. Her only wish on her wedding day was for her father to walk her down the aisle. Hearing these words ignited an inner fire for Michael to find the path to healing. My wife had to walk me to the bathroom. Yeah. I had to have help. Yeah. I had to have help getting out of the bathroom. It's very humbling. Um, going from a, a father, a husband, um, a sergeant that had a team of individuals that looked up to him to having your wife walk you to the bathroom mm. because you, because you couldn't. Um, it created such an environment for me at that time, uh, a negative environment for me that Dr. Bolk said, you need to be off of this like yesterday. Right. So he took me off of it. And, um, it usually you wean off of these things. Mm. So the seriousness of what was taking place, he said, you need to stop it immediately. Mm -hmm. So we stopped it immediately and then embarked on a journey to try to get me back to health. Mm. I spent four and a half years in a wheelchair, um, just like the doctors predicted, unfortunately. Um, but I got to a point where, and, and I, I have to give kudos to my family, my wife, my kids. Um, I have two daughters. And um, they're wonderful kids. Uh, I love them to death. 
And my wife and I have been together for going on 32 years this year. Wow. Um, through all of this, through ups and downs, through everything, her having to give me shots all the time, her having to almost feed me, um, put me in bed, get me out of bed, get me dressed, get me undressed, wash my hair. You know, it, it was just, it was a journey for everybody. Wow. So I, I have to say that, that I'm profoundly grateful mm. for my family because of what they, they helped me to do. But our oldest daughter um, was getting married. I, I'm, I gotta be careful because my emotions might no, you're, pop back you're, through. <laughs> you're getting me too. And this is a, this is a beautiful share. And, and I know how this feels. <laughs> my uh, oldest daughter was getting married. So, you know, we set her up and got her squared away for getting married. We got her up, we'll get married in Vegas. And, you know, obviously I, I, we brought her in and I said, Hey, I know we're paying for your wedding. I said, that's just a gimme because we're your parents and I'm your dad. And that's what I do. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I want to give you away and, and so forth. I said, but what do you want for your wedding gift? And she said, the only thing I want is for you to walk me down the aisle. So, as you can imagine, that was... That was a jolt. Yeah. That was a wake-up call. That was an opportunity for me to say, I have a choice, and I can make the choice to walk Caitlin down the aisle, or I can make a choice to roll beside her in a wheelchair. No disrespect to anybody in a wheelchair. I spent four and a half years in one, and I chose to walk her down the aisle. So my journey began, my mentality changed focus. I had always been an individual that said, never say die, always move forward. I practiced prior to me getting injured. I practiced Tai Chi, I practiced Kung Fu, I practiced Aikido. I, I was very active in martial arts. I was very active in health. I, I, had, I did acupuncture whenever I got injuries. I believed in Chinese medicine. Um, way back when, even before I got injured, I believed in diet and nutrition. I very, very, very rarely ever stepped foot into a fast food restaurant. Mm. I reevaluated my position and I had to stop feeling sorry for myself. I had to stop being angry. I had to stop being depressed. I had to stop being in denial. I had to stop thinking that what the doctor said was true and that they won, that they said I'd be in a wheelchair and here I am. Right. And um, in spite of the fact that uh, these doctors made that decision and the company that I was part of the test was took advantage of my situation and created an environment to right. take that away from me. Uh, I, I kind of re remotivated myself to a new opportunity for mind, body, soul. Right. Right. I went back to meditation. I went back to making a plan and a strategy for um, getting the surgeries that I needed, getting the body weight back where it needs to be, because obviously at five foot nine, 101, 100 and a half pounds is not right. realistic. Um, I had to make choices 
in saying that I'm going to overcome this, I'm going to move forward. Right, right. So the first thing we did was, we, the very first thing we did was we found a surgeon down here that was, um, I love the guy, he's a brilliant surgeon. And when I saw him, when we went in to talk to him, um, I told him the story and I told him everything. And he said, um, I'll get you out of a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, it's really amazing how pain is one of the strongest leverages for change. You know, we always come back to this why, and especially when somebody's looking to start their health and fitness journey or, or change anything around their life, they have to find that reason why. And oftentimes when, we're, when we find that pain point, when we find that thing that hurts so much, that makes us go full force into the other direction, then we found our why. And it seems that that moment where your daughter asked you to walk her down the aisle was, was that leverage that you needed to start your journey, right? Absolutely. Her favorite picture from the wedding, actually, mm. is the first one of her and I walking through the, the chapel doors mm. together. Dr. Terry Walls is an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner and a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, where she conducts clinical trials. Her trials test the effect of nutrition and lifestyle interventions to treat MS and other progressive health problems. She also teaches the public and medical community about the healing power of the paleo diet and therapeutic lifestyle changes that restore health and vitality. She is also a patient with secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, which confined her to a tilt-recline wheelchair for four years. Dr. Walls restored her health using a diet and lifestyle program she designed specifically for her brain and now pedals her bike to work each day. In her 2011 TED Talks, which received over three and a half million views, Dr. Walls shares her story and protocol. She's the author of The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine. She's also the author of The Walls Protocol, A Radical New Way to Treat All Chronic Autoimmune Conditions Using Paleo Principles, and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life, The Revolutionary Modern Paleo Plan to Treat All Chronic Autoimmune Conditions. So I'm a mom. I have two young kids. So when I'm diagnosed, um, my son is eight, my daughter's five. And, you know, at, at that point, I had been, you know, an athlete. We'd been very active. We had done wilderness travel, uh, snow uh, skiing, uh, winter camping. Uh, and I'm having to continually reimagine my life uh, as I'm becoming progressively more disabled. And one of the things I'm thinking about is what is it that's most to me? And that is that my kids become successful adults, that they're emotionally, uh, financially resilient. And that means I have to model resilience and that, yep, life's not fair, but you get up and you do the best you can every day anyway. Uh, and so, you know, I'm doing my little workout that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, I'm going to work every day. I'm giving them chores. Uh, and I realize that this is now the only tool I have left in my toolbox mm -hmm. are my daily choices of I'm going to keep doing everything that I can. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, when we look at certain life events happening to us, we, we have two options and it's always a matter of perception. 
things are happening either to us or for us. And it's very clear that this happened for you because you are now a huge advocate creating amazing mm -hmm. awareness all around the world with the power of food and of course the ability to work through any condition and reverse any condition. So where do you find is the greatest block for most people? Why do most people accept to be a victim versus using what has happened to them to empower them to find a solution and a breakthrough? You know, I think, um, uh, fortunately, I grew up uh, on a farm. Uh, life was not fair. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, but you, you know, your cows had to be milked. The hay had to be brought in. Crops had to be taken care of. And so every day I saw that, yep, you had to go out and take care of your responsibilities. Mm. I also uh, remember a book that uh, I really liked a great deal, uh, Man's Search for Meaning mm -hmm. by Viktor Frankl. And one of his uh, theses was that between every event in our life and our response to it is a space. And in that space, we make a choice that defines our character. Um, so I, I talked to my kids uh, as they were children and even now that we're all going to have to lose things that are incredibly important to us. Uh, it may be uh, uh, physical possessions. It may be people. Um, but... Uh, we will all face loss uh, that may be very painful. What we have to do is think about what can we learn at this moment in my life that will allow me to go forth. And there will always be things that I can learn. Right. There will always be uh, things that will allow me to be more successful, to move right. forward, to find contributions in other ways. Right. Sometimes it's obvious. Mm. Sometimes it is not and you have to really search uh, deep to find what that might be yes 100 percent. so coming back to that moment where you were able to walk unassisted and then of course the day you were able to ride a bike what was that for you what was that feeling for you um well you know if, if i if i talk about my bike ride in a little more detail um you know I had been walking around the neighborhood, walking without a cane. Uh, uh, and so it was a huge difference because, you know, six months earlier, I, I couldn't even sit up. But when you have a neurodegenerative condition, you, as, as I mentioned, that I had, I had let go of my future. I, I was taking each day as it unfolded. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what walking now meant because I, I had let go of my future. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'd asked my uh, wife, you know, do you think I could, um, I could try biking? Uh, and she said, well, you know, maybe things keep going well, maybe in the fall, three or four months, we could, we could get the bikes out and try. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, it's, it's Mother's Day, you know, beautiful spring day. Uh, I'm in the garage. Uh, my son's been riding my bike. He's six foot five uh, because I had, hadn't been riding a long time. So I decided I want to try riding my bike. I put on my helmet. I, I start adjusting the seat down. My family hears me in the garage. We have this emergency family meeting. My kids don't want me to ride because they're, they're afraid that I'll fall. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and uh, But my wife says, okay, let's try. Uh, and so she tells Zach, you're going to run on the left. Zeb, you're on the right. Uh, we all get in position. I'm on the curb. Uh, and she gives a signal. I push off. 
you know, and I'm wobbling, but I catch my balance. And I'm biking. And, uh, you know, Zach's jogging and Seb's jogging and they're crying and Jackie's crying. And I'm crying because this, this was so miraculous mm -hmm. to all of us. And it was at that moment that I really understood that the, the current understanding of progressive MS was incomplete and that who knew what my future would hold and who knew how much recovery might be possible. Hmm. So you know, every day we'd go out, uh, yeah, I'd bike, I'd bike a little bit further. So that, that was, you know, uh, Mother's Day. Oh my in, God. in October, Jackie uh, comes in and says, you know, honey, the courage ride uh, is gonna be happening. Let's sign you up. This is an 18.5 mile ride. And, and <clears throat> so we sign up. At that, at that point, the longest I'd ridden was eight miles. And I'm like, okay, that, that's pretty far. Because, but, you know, however far you go, you go. Uh, so uh, once again, you know, uh, my family and I, we head out. I have to have a couple of, of rests along the way. But I make it 18.5 miles. So, you know, once again, my family's crying, I'm crying, we're all sort of blubbering around. Uh, and so what is remarkable is that the, the October, the year before, I could not sit up. And now I had just done an 18.5 mile bike ride entirely on my own. So of course, this really fundamentally changes my understanding of disease and health. Mm -hmm. It changes the way I talk to my patients. I'm asking my patients what they're eating, what they're doing, um, uh, what are their uh, self-care routines. And, and my residents, you know, they're, they're, they're shocked that I'm so effective at talking to patients about diet and lifestyle, inspiring them to make incremental changes that are so transformative. Emily is an international expert in crisis management and resilience. For nearly 25 years, Emily worked in areas struck by natural disaster, war, and socio-political chaos in different parts of the globe. Emily's understanding of adversity on both professional and personal levels is what fuels her mission today, to empower others to thrive through crisis. As an advisor, she leads government officials, communities, and entrepreneurs on building resilience and recovering after crisis. As a coach and speaker, she imparts stories and practical tools, inspiring others to appreciate change and learn how to flourish, even against all odds. As an author, Emily leaves a legacy of the valuable life lessons she's learned through her work, encounters, travels, and perhaps most importantly, through her experiences being human. In 2020, Emily encountered her own crisis in battling cancer. Today, Emily speaks with us about what it means to find your inner diamond and how her experience through battling cancer was possibly the greatest gift of all, learning how to manage her own crisis.
if you're very visual, do like me. I was, I was here, and I said, "Look, this is a, this is a gift, but the, this wrap is horrible." Mm -hmm. So I removed uh, this horrible wrap. And what's the gift? Mm -hmm. And the gift, well, the gift for me is, is, is to, to extract and to give to others. Now, what can I teach to others from that? What can I, what, which tool I can get out of it? But depending on what is your mission, your, your, the things that uplift you, the things that, that make you feel meaningful, just finding this gift, it can be for you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is that? So just visualize this wrap and you remove ah, the pain, ah, the, the, the loss, ah, the things, that, that, that. And look what is there for you. Wow. That's so powerful. I, I think that's that's the, the primary reason why we're all met with an obstacle. We all have a story. We have a way that we are supposed to take that and inspire others and more importantly, yes. give back and find a way to help others through it. And I love what you say. What a beautiful metaphor to live by. And, and just that that thought that that any sort of crisis is a poorly wrapped gift that all you need to do is just look at what is truly truly inside and still giving yourself permission to be angry to be frustrated to release yes. all of those emotions because yeah. that's what ends up becoming i think harmful for us is, is resisting those emotions and be strong be strong right but emily how how did you create that mindset that to to really see this as a gift I think this this mindset is is, is the um, the result of of uh, years of of working on myself. Mm. Um, I would say two things. First, observing, like I mentioned, people, no, um, around you and in in all in all these uh, settings. I think since since very young, I'm, I, I've always been very resilient and. and and you know, seeing crisis and, and circumstances um, surfing on this. Actually, when when you know, I, I when COVID arrives, I'm I'm based now in Spain uh, for for a few weeks more. And um, when COVID arrives, uh, people invite me to speak and everything. They say, "Hi, what's um, what can you tell us from all these countries where you've been in crisis? Or what's different uh, between these countries and us in the way we react to the crisis?" And one thing I've, I've, I've um, noticed in, in, and for me, it's key, because the beginning I say, what's, I mean, what's different? Yes, there, there were many things, but what is the one thing? Because crisis is my, <laughs> my environment. Um, so, so I'm so used to it. I say, what is it, the thing that I can say? And what I've noticed is, um, is one thing is, crisis is just a circumstance mm. and that's what i had learned from all these people and countries in crisis all these years and that i had integrated very much and that's here what we're resisting here is is and and, and when i coach people when i speak and everything i i i show them that it's just a circumstance mm. so let's retake the the um, i like to say in a car the driving seat mm -hmm. no so I'm, I'm driving and, and when, of course, when we have a crisis, we go to the passenger seat. Now, <gasps> what's happening? It's normal. It's mm -hmm. okay. 
But at some stage you say, well, the crisis is not me. It's not my life. It's not my objective. It's right. not who I am. Yes. It's a crisis. Tomorrow yeah. it will be another one. Right. So think about how you're going to speak of COVID, for example, or even of this crisis you're experimenting right now in your life. Can be having a teenager, can be divorcing, can be um, having a loss uh, um, of, of, of someone you love dearly, can be whatever, or a health crisis. So what, how are you going to speak about that in 10 years? Like something of the past, something that you have overcome, no? something that you have surfed on and bounced forward. Okay, so, so, so that's the thing. And, and so when we have the crisis, okay, we, we have this reaction and then, okay, um, I take back the thriving seat. Oh, before I was on the highway and now I have a big mountain. <laughs> Let's say, what do we do in this case? We're not like, ah! Right. No, or maybe a little. Ah! Now, yes, now think. What do you do? Your objective has not changed. Mm -hmm. You still want to go over there. Yes. Uh, who you are has not changed. You're the driver of this car. Your, the vehicle has not changed. There's the car. The only thing, there's a big mountain. Oh, can be a big mess. Yes. But there's many solutions. Yes. Okay. So, so, so reactivate that, putting crisis again in its place mm. so can sound sometimes uh, easy easier to say than than to experience yes it is you know and here is the mindset is is i mean when you know it just it's the repetition the repetition the repetition mm -hmm. so for that definitely and 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 you and me that's how we met now we are mm. part of this m1 mastermind by yes. rock thomas so this kind of programs where where you have um, you receive training, coaching, mentoring. You're surrounded uh, in the right environment. You surround you surround in the right environment where you can. The, uh, indeed, also for example, I posted some time back in in what we call the tribe. Now in our group of of uh, hundreds of people in this mastermind, I said, look, I'm. I'm on my last phase, I would say, of recovery. I, I, I need some support in terms of fitness, accountability, support, you know, to just not to feel alone in, in, in the journey that sometimes is not easy. Both. And you have three people who came to me. No? And then we're working together. So, so, so that's definitely very important the the support system you have. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, and generally, it's not the people who you love the most. You know, these are the people who love you. These are your family. Right. You cannot ask your family to be everything, your coach, your mentor. Right. No, they're not. they're not. So look for them. Look for people who uplift you. And um, so that that's very important. Mm -hmm. And people who respect who you are and who you want to be and who you want to become. Not people who continuously judging and, and or giving opinion about who you should be. Okay, so that, that that's very important. Then work on yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, train yourself, uh, invest in yourself. On November 2nd, 2006, Jeffrey Deskovic's indictment charging him with murder, rape, and possession of a weapon was dismissed on the grounds of actual innocence. Post-conviction DNA testing both proved Deskovic's innocence and identified the real perpetrator of a 1989 murder and rape. After his exoneration and release, Deskovic successfully sued the authorities responsible and used a substantial portion of the compensation he was awarded to start the Deskovic Foundation, a non-profit organization dedicated to the exoneration of the wrongfully convicted, their recovery, and reform of the system that allows these miscarriages of justice to take place. 
Jeffrey has dedicated himself to helping the wrongfully convicted and recently graduated from the Elizabeth House School of Law at Pace University with a law degree. The foundation has freed seven people and currently has 11 active cases in addition to proving peripheral assistance in other cases. The other thing I'll mention to you, which I think rounds out my answer to your question, is that it was particularly difficult for me uh, because I was in from 17 to 32. So there's a lot of growth and development and rights of passage that happened at that age. Uh, so I had never before uh, lived on my own. I never had went shopping. I hadn't had a driver's license. I never had written a check. I never had to balance a budget. Mm-hmm. So all those things were uh, different uh, for me. I mean, you know, I missed uh, graduating high school, the high school prom, finishing college education at a more traditional age, being well into a career, possibly having a family, possibly being on the way to, uh, you know, uh, financial freedom. So, you know, the loss was really tremendous. It's incalculable. At the same time, I don't have the option of going backwards. I can only impact today and, and, and tomorrow. So why not just, you know, maximize everything and just do the best that I can and you know, it, uh, again, I do have that sense of inner peace through it, through doing it. Wow. I love that so much, right? We, we suffer so much by trying to change what has happened. And especially when we had absolutely no control over, I love this mindset. It's so powerful. And anyone listening right now, I, I hope that if there's anything that you take from this, it's, it's really, that is to focus on today. What can I do today? And how can I brighten my future? Because I can't go back and change that past. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, I always like to share a tip with the uh, with, with the audience or whatever show. Uh, so in terms of overcoming adversity, I mean, set a goal, have a realistic plan. You should be able to look at it three or four different ways and see how it could possibly work. Be flexible. Remember that the goal is the goal. The plan's not the goal. So if an unexpected door opens for you that moves you closer to that goal, then you should take it, even if it's not part of your original plan. Uh no excuses. So there's no reasons why you can't accomplish something. There's only reasons why something might be more difficult. Uh, don't be afraid of hard work and never quit. And when you're about to quit, then, you know, just say to yourself, look, this might be the key moment right here where I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. But because I quit, you know, it's not going to happen. So even though I can't go on anymore, I'm going to do so anyway, just to see what happens on the other side. And when you get there, you have to, you should reach back for people in the same position you were in and do some work on the preventative side. I know, and uh, again, it'll make your suffering count for something. You'll have some healing, some, you know, it'll be, uh, you get feel some catharsis as well and you help make the world better. And and I know that that message is universal. It goes well beyond uh, wrongful imprisonment. I mean, I could, I could see that applying to say somebody who has experienced uh, racism or discrimination or, you know, domestic abuse survivor or survived being a sexual assault or someone homeless or another person who has had one kind of debilitating illness or another and anything else, you just plug it in and and it really, it applies to that. Wow. I love that so much. And it's so true. If you want to make that count, then, then find a way to contribute, find a way to give back and help others. And 
You know, again, a, a very common theme that comes up in my podcast, and I, I'm sure for many people working in, in around personal development, is things happen for us and not to us, right? And if we can finally see that, like, where, what's the good about this, right? What's great about this? Why did this happen to me? It happened for a purpose. And as soon as I understand this purpose and share it with others and help others, then that was it. That's where we find that inner peace. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with that. And that's really what I've done. Yeah, so amazing. So what do you what do you do coming out of that environment that 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 experience that happened to you? What do you do with that all that emotion? Well, again, I think I channeled it into the advocacy work that I that I that I that I did. But then also, I just want to emphasize that in terms of dealing with the psychological after effects, I mean, I did go to see mental health professionals, you know, four times a week for six years. So to the extent that someone's watching and they may uh, be hesitating to do that, you know, questioning, will it really help? It's validity, worried about the social stigma that may attach to you. I would say, go ahead and do it. And you know, I was initially resistant myself, but once I, uh, once I tried it out, I mean, it started to work for me. And looking back, I think it's one of the best things I really ever did for me. In 2014, she found herself inside a New York City hospital surrounded by her family. She had no idea what had happened and why everyone was gathered around her to say goodbye. Brice Alfaro had suffered a brainstem stroke in her pons, resulting in locked-in syndrome. She wasn't expected to ever recover, let alone survive what she had endured. Her mother played an audiobook for her about the law of attraction and how the power of our thoughts manifest our reality. Using only her thoughts, Brisa started to manifest her recovery. It first started with the movement of her pinky. Her doctors insisted it was involuntary. It was a fluke and it did not signify recovery. But then she moved her wrist and then eventually her whole arm. Regardless of the odds of less than 1%, Brisa survived and in a matter of years, made a full physical recovery. I gave myself no other option. Like I am going to be okay. I'm going to make it. It may look different than what mm -hmm. I originally thought. Mm -hmm. It might, it might not look the way I thought it was going to look, but I will be okay. I will hit my goal. And, and, you know what puts things into perspective for me is when I see other people doing more with less mm. and somehow they're celebrating themselves. Well, why am I not celebrating myself? You have to have like a victor mentality. Mm -hmm. it's, it's victim versus victor, right? So many times our mind will, will shift into the victim yes. mentality. Mm -hmm. They don't get me. They don't understand and it's too hard and why me oh why me why did this have to happen to me i was doing so good and then like of course you put that energy out there you're going to attract more of it right so you have to have a big door mindset and and stay in that sense of like gratitude of all the things happening for you you hear of people saying like i don't know they, they go shopping and they're looking for a parking spot and they always always find a parking spot in the very front always for some reason 
They always have a great parking spot. That's because they have that mindset. Mm. They have a victor mindset. And now maybe in some other things, they have a victim mindset. Mm. Well, they are going to attract that too. Mm. You will attract whatever you're putting out in life. So be very careful on the way that you, uh, you're focusing on your, your, all your energy on. So Jason and I work, um, we do something called pause and play. Sometimes those negative thoughts come up. Often they come up. We listen to them. We'll hear them out. Okay. Thank you. Negative thought for coming up. I get you. Okay. That's, that could happen, but it also can't like, I can also change my thoughts. Mm. Right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to push pause, pause on that negative thought. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to just hold you right here. I'm just going to pause you and I'm going to play what I want to see in my life. So right before I go on stage, I'm thinking I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess something up. I'm going to forget my words because I have short-term memory now as a result of my stroke. Do I choose to focus on that? Hmm. I try not to, but every once in a while it'll creep in and it, it starts affecting my juju. You know, like I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on a positive role and all of a sudden it comes in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Negative thought. I'm going to push pause, push pause on you. And I'm going to push play on what I want to see happen. I'm going to go on that stage. I'm going to inspire all these people. I'm not going to fall. Like that's not what I'm thinking. I, I need to, I have to realize I am the director of my life. Yes. I am the director of my own, the movie that I want to play in my life. Yes. So I have the ability to stop it, push pause and push play on what I want to see in my life. 100%. And we have complete control and it, it all starts with our thoughts. And it's interesting because it takes just as much energy to think about something positive as it does something negative, right? And yet we're always defaulting to that negative. I believe that gratitude is the greatest and most powerful tool to change our mindset. And the more we practice gratitude, the more we're going to have things that we are grateful for. It's really that simple. But how do we get into that practice of gratitude? It's really a muscle like everything else. We just have to work on it and start really small and and realize hearing even just a story like yours, Brisa, you know, it's we have to be grateful for for that capacity to breathe, for the capacity to see, to speak, to be able to move that pinky, to be able to move that hand. It's unbelievable. Here you are a, a kickboxing athlete one day and the next day you find yourself in the hospital really building yourself up from scratch and hearing that, you know, everyone's coming in to say goodbye because you ha- you suffered a stroke. The recovery chance is very, very low. And through gratitude, through understanding that I'm going to start controlling my mind because that's the only thing I have control over right now. I don't have control over my body. I'm trapped inside my body. I can start to slowly shift towards healing and towards health. It's so powerful. You're, you're so giving me goosebumps. It's unreal. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Thank you. It's, it's been a, it's been an eye-opening experience in everything else in my life. And I have to think back many times when, when difficult situations come, fall onto my lap. Mm. And I think, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, how did I do that? Right. So I did it by one pinky move at a time. So I need to like stop being, um, I don't know, like 
just negative Nancy mm. and just think, you know what? One pinky move at a time. It's okay. I'll get there. I'll get through it. No, this is not ideal situation. I was not expecting this, but that's okay. One pinky move at a time. Mm. And I think, I think when you look at it that way, so many things, you can achieve so many things. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember... You are an inspiration.